1: Presented by Star Style Productions as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. You'll rock to an hour of adolescent fusion with your teen hosts and on-air reporters. Meet and chat with cool celebrities, exhilarating experts, and tenacious teens with subjects regarding anything and everything that you want to know. It's time to kick off the fun with our star teens. Welcome to Express Yourself. If there
2: exists one quantity in this world and limitless supply, it is probably conversation topics. Any two people have the wonderful capability to convene and discuss the weather, sports, fashion, books, movies, school, challenges, life. When we begin to talk, the magic begins to happen. Hello and welcome to Express Yourself. We're a program by, for, and with creative young people. A platform to give teens a voice right here on the Voice America Kids Network. I'm Hannah Hundle, and today, the theme for our show is the power of a conversation.
3: And I'm Caitlin Darrow. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions and brought to you as an outreach service of the Be The Star You Are charity. We have a thought-provoking program in store for you today as we examine all the ways that a simple conversation has the potential to change people, change ideas, and change the world.
2: Conversations are important. And no one knows that better than our first guest today, Christy Whitman. Christy is a New York Times bestselling author of three books who who preaches what she practices. Her forthcoming book, The Art of Having It All, A Woman's Guide to Unlimited Abundance, brings together the most cutting edge and efficient strategies of deliberate manifestation, refined over a decade of coaching others to lead more successful, abundant, and self-expressed lives.
3: Christy Whitman knows what a turnaround is. Her sister committed suicide. Her newborn baby was rushed to the hospital for open-heart surgery. She's experienced a divorce, worked away out of $90,000 of financial debt, and 30 pounds of unwanted body weight. And she lives her life with no excuses. Today, Christy is a living example of walking her talk. She's happily married to the man of her dreams now with two healthy young boys and a fit body and is the founder of internationally acclaimed Coaching Academy whose message reaches over 125,000 people each month.
2: Christy became a student of spiritual principles when she was at the lowest point in her life. Distilling these spiritual truths into what she now refers to as the seven universal laws of manifestation, she not only turned her life around, that she went from barely
3: surviving to
2: completely thriving.
3: Having applied and mastered these laws in her own life, Christy then started teaching and coaching others to do the same. She's the CEO and founder of the Quantum Success Coaching Academy, a 12-month Law of Attraction coaching certification program and the creator of the Enlightened Kid program. Christy is also a nationally syndicated talk show host whose radio show, entitled The Art of Having It All, is broadcasted on over 20 stations throughout the United States.
2: She is fierce, empowered, passionate, and productive. And yes, she seems to have it all. Thank you so much for joining us on the show
4: today, Christy. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you both for the wonderful introduction. We are thrilled to be talking to you because you are the woman with it all, and you can help (laughs) us figure
2: out how to have it all. And today, teenagers are inundated, with messages about what it means to be successful. And, and you know, in the news we hear about women like Hillary Clinton and Amal Clooney, Jennifer Lopez, Oprah Winfrey, Kim Kardashian even. What do they all have that makes them so successful? And what do they maybe have to give up to get what they have?
4: Well, I think when, anytime you are a successful woman and all of those women that obviously you just mentioned are very successful in their own right and in the the industry that they're in and, you know, being a celebrity and whether it's movies or singing or just even in like a mall and in her, you know, uh, career as a lawyer, you have to give up limiting thoughts for sure because mm-hmm. those just never serve you. So what all of those women have in common is that all of them are very empowered. They radiate confidence. They radiate abundance. And there's so many people that are on the planet today that are just like arguing for their limitations. And there's a lot of people saying even to young folks like yourself that you can't have it all. So, you know, as a a woman in your teens, you know, you better just choose because you can't have everything. You can't have everything you want. And the truth is, is that you can, and that we have to learn how to define what having it all is for each individual person, because it's not the same. I mean, Caitlin, you probably have a different idea of what having it all would be from Hannah, and it's probably different than my definition of it. And I'll say that, you know, as you get into your 20s and 30s, and now I'm in my 40s, you know, it's it changes from decade to decade. So... One thing that all those successful women that you mention is that they live their life with no excuses. They live in a state of abundance, and they see the vision of what they want. They don't allow themselves to talk themselves out of it. Um, as a matter of fact, Je- Jennifer Lopez in her early days, you know, when she was kind of coming up and she was a fly girl and all that kind of stuff, you know, people would say, well, she's kind of got, you know, a big butt or, you know, she doesn't have that kind of dancer's right. body. And she would affirm to herself that she loved her body and that she loved the way her butt was and that, she, you know, and she literally did change the way a lot of women and even men view a beautiful body these days. You right. look at someone like her and Beyonce, you know, men don't want to stick figure twiggy anymore. They like a little, you know, little junk in the trunk <laughs> like JLo. And there's even women getting implants, you know, to have a JLo butt. Right. You know, so, so she redefined what success was for her. And that's what all of us have to do is we have to define what success is for us, what that looks like, what that feels like, and then just achieve it, go after it.
3: Definitely. Um, and that's really, really interesting to hear, because I think that a lot of people, especially women, feel really conflicted. You know, can I have a successful career and still have a healthy marriage with children? And, you know, can I balance all of these things? Um, And I know, especially, um, it kind of strikes me, um, for example, like Mila Kunis and Ashton Kutcher, they recently had a daughter. And it seems like on a lot of the talk shows, they're always asking like the women or the famous actress, you know, how are you balancing it all being a mother? But then you don't really hear that as much with males. You know, how are you balancing it being a father? It's always like, you know, the woman feels like she has to give up something in order to have a successful career. So do you think that it's impossible? It's possible at all to be able to have it all and still enjoy it and have enough downtime to really relax and relish in it do you think that you would have these things without running yourself ragged
4: absolutely and you know it's really important for like I said the first step is really defining for yourself what having it all is and so there's this you know this this concept out there this even this argument this debate that women can't have it all because they're thinking that it's gonna you're gonna be too exhausted you know you you're looking at life as this perfectionistic picture you know, it's none of those things. And at the same time, having it all is not doing it all. Mm-hmm. So that's a big distinction because, you know, I can certainly have it all. I, I really do have it all. I am a woman that has created my life in every single segment and aspect of my life. I have it the way I want. There's contrast that shows up, and we could definitely talk about that. But I know that I have what I want in all aspects of my life, but I certainly cannot do it all. I mean, my husband who is rarely travels, he was gone for um, five days. And during that time, I, I really gained a lot of compassion for single moms because here I have two small boys or four and five and I'm driving them back and forth to school and I'm, you know, cooking the meals and I'm preparing their lunches and helping them with their homework and giving them the best. And it was like, oh, good God, you know, it's like I can have it all, but I cannot do it all. Right. I need, I need support. And one other thing that you brought up, which is, I think, so important, you know, we never say to men, you can't have it all. You can't have a family and a career, but we say that to women, or we hear that said to women, and it's like, we can have what we design in our lives, and it's important for each of us to understand that, and to, to tell someone they can't do something, and that you actually have to choose, like, you either have to be a mom And, you know, caretake for your family or you have to be a career woman. You can't have it all. You can't have it both. Or you can have a career and a family, but you can't have a healthy, fit body. You know, it's like you have to – something's got to give. You have to choose. And I really want everybody to shift that perspective because it's not true. You can have enough time. You have to make time. We don't just kind of, you know, get time. Like, oh, all of a sudden, hey, look at that. I have an hour in the day to go get a massage. You have to make yourself just as much mm-hmm. as a priority as, as everything else in your life and take right. time, take the downtime.
5: Yeah,
2: well, thank you very much, Christy. Wow, wow, for giving us a richer understanding of how we can strive to have it all. This is incredible, and we can't wait to hear more of your words of wisdom. So stick around, and during the break, be sure to learn more about Christy and her work on our website, com and theartofhavingitall.com. The new book is called The Art of Having It All, A Woman's Guide to Unlimited Abundance. Be sure to check it out. I'm Hannah Hundle.
3: And I'm Caitlin Darrow. Also be sure to visit our radio site at expressyourselfteenradio.com to see photos, descriptions, links, and more. We'll be back in the next segment as we continue our conversation with Christy.
1: We promise that listening will be just like delving into a good book. What do
6: you want to do? Are you interested in the performing arts? You are listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids Network, brought to
2: you by Be The Star You Are Charity. I'm Hannah Hundle, and today our show is all about the power of a conversation, and we are back with our star guest, Christy Whitman.
3: Christy is an author and empowerment expert who has appeared on the Today Show and the Morning Show, and her work has been featured in People Magazine, Seventeen, Women's Day, Hollywood Life, and Teen Vogue, among, among others. Christy has helped thousands of people worldwide to achieve their goals through their empowerment seminars, speeches, coaching sessions, and products. Her work has been promoted by and featured with esteemed authors in a variety of luminaries. Christy
2: currently lives in Montreal with her husband and their two boys, Alexander and Maxim. Her new book, The Art of Having It All, A Woman's Guide to Unlimited Abundance, will be released in February of 2015. Christy, thank you very much again for joining us on the program. Truly my pleasure. Well, thank you for having me. Thank you. Now, this book is directed towards women. It's called, the second portion of the title is A Woman's Guide to Unlimited Abundance. And in the previous segment, we were talking a little bit about the the different challenges that women face from men, especially when they're in the workforce. So why did you decide to direct this book towards women
4: in particular?
2: Why do you think that they need to hear this message of empowerment even more?
4: You know, that's a really great question. Um, I think just because of the messages that were given that women can't have it all, because you don't hear that about men. You don't, you're not, we don't hear it out in society that men just can't have it all. I mean, it's not something that anybody says, you know, but, but there's this constant debate and it goes back years and years of, can really can women really have it all? And, and Miss Wonderful Oprah Winfrey herself has even said at you know different times that you can have it all, just not at the same time. And as much as I love and adore Oprah Winfrey, I really argue with that because having it all is, is something again that we have to really define for ourselves. But but when you take it to a deeper level. This moment right now, in the present moment, just even spending time in connection with the two of you, you're, you're both fabulous, this is a having it all moment. And so we can look throughout our day at moments where it's not even just a present moment, it's, but it's the presence of the total us, the non-physical and the physical part of us that is so present in this moment that we feel nothing but just absolute appreciation. That, to me, is a having an all moment. And you can have those moments all day, every day, if you look for them. And so, you know, I wrote this book for women because I do a lot of work with women, although I also do work with men. And these principles that I talk about and that I teach and that, you know, I'm a teacher of, they're universal, so the, they work for men and women. It's not like, okay, just women can take this information. I've actually had many men that have read the book and really just loved it and had major transformation in their lives. But it's a focus of this particular conversation and this concept that we can't have at all. For me, can I just share a quick story for you? Yeah, go ahead, of I, course. <laughs> um, this, you know, I, I've always written books and and really truly write from a place of inspiration. It's never like, hey, I'm just going to write the art of having it all. You know, it it, it doesn't work for me that way. I was actually at a media conference and I walked up to a freelance writer for New York Magazine and I thought I've got the perfect pitch for her. And I walked up and I said, what do all New York women want? And she said, what? And I said, they want it all. Mm -hmm. And she immediately looked at me and she goes, women can't have it all. And I said, excuse me? And she goes, "Do you? I mean, like, with this sassy attitude, do yeah. you know anybody that has it all?" And I said, "I know a lot of people that have it all, and I'm one of them." <laughs> and I, so I, I started telling her, "I have this, I have that, I've, you know, I have the amazing relationship with my husband. I have a, fit, you know, beautiful body. I'm I mean, like, I have great kids. I have this multi-million-dollar business. You know, I work out of the comfort of my own home." And she actually looked at me in the eyes and said. I will and handed me back my media sheet, and she goes, "I won't be needing this because I don't believe women can have it all." And I looked oh, at her gosh. in the, I know, and I looked at her in the eyes, and I went, "And there in lies the problem, because it's what we believe that we create." And so I wanted, it wasn't even a want; it was just this, like, this agitation and this, <laughs> this, you know, yeah. this anger that came through me. But at the same time, it was like, no. It's not true. There's a different perspective. There's a different way of being. And there's too many women writing books on how we can't have it all. And that's a horrible message. For me, I don't know about you ladies, but for me, anytime I'm told I can't do something, I'm like, oh, yeah, watch me. (laughs) (laughs) You know? Yeah. Who is anybody to tell me or you or any, who is anybody to tell
2: anybody they can't do something? Yes. And I I love how you mentioned the message because it's the language that determines how we live our lives. Because I think if, if you
4: speak to negativity, you invite that back into your life. It's law of attraction. What you focus upon expands. It's as simple as that. From, from, let me take it to a basics of what I teach. Like, We are, everything in the universe, we know this now from quantum physics, I mean there's studies and studies, everything in the universe is energy, everything. And so we are energetic beings and we are constantly emitting energetic signals that come out of our, our bodies. So we're like emitting energy all the time, whether it's our beliefs that we send out, our thoughts, our emotions, even what we say. So all of that energy goes out, and if you're speaking, for example, and you say, oh, I can't do something, that's a very low-level energy. We feel badly when we tell ourselves we can't do something. And so that energy that goes out into the universe is attracted to other energies, and what happens is that we, we attract situations, circumstance, events, whatever that vibrates at the same frequency. So I'm saying, oh, I can't do this. And then there's more evidence presented in my world that shows that, yep, I'm right. And so Mm -hmm. then that becomes a solidified belief because it's like, see, I believe this. I thought that there's evidence of it. See? And it becomes more and more. So it literally becomes how our lives are created from the beliefs that we project. And a belief is literally only a thought that's been thought over and over and over again.
3: That's fascinating. You know, I I never ever thought of it like that. Um, But now that you explain it, I I totally agree. And I am really fascinated by that idea. Um, But I wanted to know, what steps do you think parents should take to ensure that they're raising kids, and particularly girls, who can handle you know, the novel challenges of this time. Um, I'm lucky enough to grow up um, and be raised by a single mom who is just the absolute strongest woman I know. And she's always raised me to believe that I can do anything, you know, despite my gender and that I can have it all. And I'm glad that she kind of raised me with that attitude. But what do the parents of today need to be doing differently than parents of a few generations ago?
4: You know, it is. It's about what we say to our kids and the messages that we give them. But me, as a parent, I'll tell you that our children are raised in the environment that they live in. So my two boys, right, I could say all day long how great and wonderful everything is and how great life is. But what they're picking up, again, on a vibrational level and energetic level is the environment that they're living in. We, we are raised in our environments. And so if there was a lot of fighting and a lot of cussing and a lot of you know negativity between myself and my husband, that environment would be creating children that turn out to be negative and disempowered. So it's really important that as as a parent, you are aligned yourself, meaning that you are feeling good. You have good, good positive self-talk, that you're actually feeling good, that you take the time to be with yourself and nourish yourself so that you feel good so that when you give out to your husband to your children they feel that connection that you have to yourself because when you know for for me as a young girl growing up i used to watch my mom do this routine in the mirror where she would look at herself and she would just cut down and she would look at her legs and be like oh my god they're just so disgusting it was like mm-hmm. the negative self talk that i would watch my mom have about herself I learned to talk to myself that way. And so I had to retrain myself to talk to myself in a different way. And my mom still does that. So, you know, it's important how we treat ourselves as parents. will teach our children how to treat themselves.
2: Wow. Wow, that is so great. And that's wonderful. And I know that you also formed the Enlightened Kid Program. Do you try to spread the same message through that
4: as well? Absolutely. It's all about affirming the power that we have and that each one of us does have. We have the power to create what we want. We are completely free in our lives to choose. We're always free to choose the thoughts that we have. And those thoughts, whether they're good or bad, are going to create an emotion. Think good thoughts, feel good emotions. Think bad thoughts, you feel bad emotions. That's awesome. As our producer, Cynthia Bryan, likes to say,
2: what we think about and talk about comes about. So thank you very, very much, Christy, again, for coming on the program today. You are incredibly inspiring, and I know the life tips that you've shared with us and our listeners will go a long way. To keep up with Christy, check out our websites, com and theartofhavingitall.com. Her new book is called The Art of Having It All. It's motivating, it's terrific, and it's brand new, so be sure to grab a copy. I'm Hannah Hundle.
3: And I'm Caitlin Darrow. During the break, please be sure to visit our radio site at expressyourselfteenradio.com and our charity site at btsya.org. Stick around for our next segment as we continue our conversation.
1: You're listening
0: to Voice America Kids, real kids, real talk radio.
6: You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens.
2: Thank you for staying with us here at Voice America Kids. Our program is Express Yourself, giving youth across the world a voice to be listened to. I'm Hannah Hundle, and today's hot topic is the power of a conversation.
3: And I'm Caitlin Darrow. We've exemplified the theme via a fantastic conversation in the first half of the show, and it's about to get even better. That's because we're welcoming author Rachel Wilson to the program. Rachel M. Wilson received her MFA in writing for children and young adults from Vermont College of Fine Arts. Don't Touch, published by HarperTeen, is her first novel. Her eerie digital short, The Game of Boys and Monsters, is available from HarperTeen Impulse. Originally from Alabama, Rachel now writes, acts, and teaches in Chicago, Illinois. Step on a crack, break your
2: mother's back. Touch another person's skin, and dad's gone for good. In the novel Don't Touch, Caddy has a history of magical thinking, of playing games in her mind to cope with her surroundings, but it's never been this bad before. When her parents split up, don't touch becomes Caddy's mantra. Maybe if she keeps from touching another person's skin, dad dad will come home. She knows it doesn't make sense, but her games have never been logical. Soon, despite Alabama's humidity,
3: she's covering every inch of her skin and wearing evening gloves to school. And that's where things get tricky. Even though Caddy's the new girl, it's hard to pass off her compulsions as artistic quirks. Friends notice things. Her drama class is all about interacting with her Saiyan partners, especially Peter, who's auditioning for the role of Hamlet. Caddy desperately wants to play Ophelia, but if she does, she'll have to touch Peter and kiss him. Part of Caddy would love nothing more than to kiss Peter, but the other part of her isn't sure she's brave enough to let herself fall. From rising star
2: Rachel Wilson comes this powerful, moving debut novel of the friendship and love that are there for us, if only we'll let them in our lives. How incredible. Rachel, we are thrilled to welcome you to the program today. How have you been? Thank you so much. I'm great. Awesome. So right down to it, what inspired you to write
5: Don't Touch?
2: It it deals a lot with obsessive compulsive disorder. Do you have any personal experience with that, or how did you become informed about that?
5: Well, I started having, um, some symptoms of OCD when I was about 10 years old Mm -hmm. and it, um, it was really a a problem for me for about four years, um, before I even told anyone what was going on with me. Um, and so that was, that was largely the inspiration for the book that, that sort of living with fear and anxiety and trying to figure out, Mm -hmm. you know, how to talk about it. (laughs) And, um, and so that's that's a lot of what Caddy's story is, is coming to that moment of sharing what's going on and being open about it. Mm-hmm. That's so, interesting.
3: Oh, yeah. So what is your writing routine like, and how does your process work? I mean, I know every writer kind of works differently.
5: So um, what is yours like? <laughs> My process is very messy. Uh, I tend to write long, so I, I like to write um, almost anything that comes to my head and then much later come back and sort of um, try to mold it into a shape that makes sense. Um, with this book, I wrote a completely different version of it um, in which Caddy was a ballet dancer and <laughs> there was a manatee in Florida that she wanted to go visit and um, there was you know an entirely different plot line but still about a girl who was dealing with anxiety and fear. Um, and, and that turned into a complete rewrite. So um, my process is (laughs) not the most efficient one, but um, eventually it got me somewhere that I was happy with. Yeah, it does the job. And when you're developing that plot line, how are you
2: envisioning, envisioning the settings of the book? Are they based on real locations? Do you travel a
5: lot? How do you do it? Well, this book is set in Irondale, Alabama, and um, thereabouts, which is where I grew up oh, okay. and so I know that setting very well but <laughs> but I did um, I did go and back and visit a lot of the settings in the book like um, there's an abandoned pool where a key scene takes place and my sister was nice enough to go with me on a, an expedition where we went exploring and sort of um, went to a pool that uh, I had remembered going to as a kid, and um, it had actually been filled in with dirt and sort of, you know, turned into this uh, sort of a, an abandoned construction site, <laughs> and uh, and so that inspired one of the scenes in the book, and, um, you know, I, I went around and looked at some old train tracks and some just sort of the more rundown parts of Arndale where I, where I spent a lot of time as a kid. Um, so even though it was a setting that I grew up with and knew well, I still ended up doing a lot of research to kind of get back into the, the feeling of being there and capture some of the little details that I might have forgotten about.
3: So it's probably really, really hard to choose as the author of the book, but what's your favorite thing about Don't Touch? And Then also, what were some of your favorite scenes to
5: write? Mm. Um, well, I love the, the friendship aspect of the book. That's really been, um, the thing that I, I hold in my heart when I think about that story. Um, I think for Caddy having this group of friends that she can talk to and, and count on and be open with is the open door to a whole world of, (laughs) of friendship and, and, you know, feeling, feeling like a normal, okay person. Um, and so, for me, writing those scenes of of the friends just hanging out and sort of bantering and having fun, and um, eventually Caddy feeling like a part of that, mm-hmm. that arc for me was was the most rewarding, you know, part of writing this book. And and also some of the flirty scenes between Caddy and Peter, I really enjoy uh, the way that they play with each other and the dialogue. Some of those scenes I wrote as straight-up dialogues before I ever went back in and uh, envisioned them as more than talking heads. It really started with the conversation between them and then the other details of where they are and what are they doing and where their <laughs> bodies and all that stuff kind of got added in later.
2: Yeah, I, I love that you brought that up because, as you know, the theme of the show is the power of a conversation. Yes. And Hattie does have a lot of trouble opening up about her problems. It's this notion of wanting to belong. How did you make this such a central part of the book? Was it something you set out to do, or did it kind of just come about?: That's a good
5: question. Um, I think for me, you know, part of part of structuring the book was figuring out what is the what is the climax and what is the end point for Caddy? Mm-hmm. And for me, the, I don't want to spoil anything, but um, I wanted to get to a point where she has the biggest fear to overcome and for her you know a a huge fear is that she might open up about herself and and tell someone what she's dealing with and then be rejected or made fun of or not understood and um, so for me that that was sort of the the point that I wanted her to be driving toward I think there's a lot of books about mental illness and you know anxiety depression where the treatment is sort of the focus of the story, and, and the point is on getting healthy and getting better. And there are some great books like that. But even before you can get to that place, you have to have that conversation uh-huh. with someone, someone you trust, yeah. whether it's a parent or a friend or a doctor. You know, there has to be um, a willingness to be open and, and let someone know what's going on with you. So for me, that became sort of the the hurdle for Caddy to jump over. Um, and everything, you know, that that comes after that um, was sort of secondary to that initial opening up.
2: That's really great. And friendship plays such a huge role in the book as well. How does friendship figure into your own life? Did you, did you kind of take a page out of your life book to pull in <laughs>
0: this
5: book, or how did that work? Well... You know, Catty Kat, is not me, we're different, but um, I, I definitely have been blessed with some amazing friends, and um, my, my community that I spend the most time with, um, as a group of people, we, we work with, a, a lot of us work with a theater company where we teach writing with um, elementary school students in Chicago Public Schools, and then we adapt their writing for the stage, um it's a company called Barrel of Monkeys. And um I have other, you know, friends tangentially to that who, who do theater in different places around the city. And there is something to having this this sort of tribe that you can call yeah. upon at any given moment and and count on to uh, to help you out if you yeah. had get your car stuck or break your leg or whatever <laughs> whatever it might be. Um my family, you know, lives about twelve hours drive away from me, so so my friends really are my my second family, and um, that that's something that uh, makes life full for me. So, yes. yeah, it's I think I think vibrant. Yeah, it's definitely important. It wow,
2: was important well, to me for- hold that thought right there. This sure, a sure. Wonderful conversation, and we can't wait to hear more from you. We're going to take a quick break. While we do that, be sure to check out Rachel's website at Rachel Wilson books.com the novel is called don't touch and it is fascinating i'm Hannah hundle
3: and i'm caitlin darrow also be sure to visit our charity site at btsya.org which stands for be the star you are 501c3 literacy and positive media charity stay right here with us as we continue our conversation with rachel
0: Right here, you're listening to Voice America Kids.
6: You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Welcome back. Thank you for staying with us here at Voice America Kids.
2: I'm Hannah Hundle, and our program is Express Yourself. Today, the theme for our show is the power of a conversation.
3: And I'm Caitlin Darrow. We are joined again by the amazing Rachel Wilson, author of Don't Touch. The novel masterfully explores dealing with fear and anxiety and moving forward with our lives. Rachel resides in Chicago, writing, teaching, and acting, and we're delighted that she's back to speak with us about her book and her acting career and to share some of her perspective. Hi again, Rachel. Hi there. So since so since this was your debut novel, um, what was the experience like of publishing a novel? So was it easier or harder for you than you originally anticipated?
5: Mm, that's a great question. Um, you know, I, I attended this the MFA program at Vermont College, and there's an amazing community of people who write for young people there, and I was lucky enough to uh, get a lot of wisdom from that community and. Uh, an introduction to Sarah Crow, who would eventually become my agent, um, I met her at a conference that I went to uh, for alumni of my of my program and the process it, it was sort of uh daunting to start uh, as as you might be able to tell from the theme of my book uh, fear has has played a part in my life and and I'd say that getting up the courage to send out my work and seek publication was as big a hurdle as actually having someone say yes. So um, once I sort of got the ball rolling and started sending out my material, it, it didn't take too, too, too long. But um, it was definitely sort of a personal challenge to have the courage to go ahead and send it out in the first place.
2: Yeah, that's really interesting because now that we're talking about the power of a conversation, writing in a way is like having a conversation with the world. Absolutely, and, and I'm sure it is challenging to have to get your ideas out there and to spark discussion and create change. That's daunting, but we're glad you did it. And we're also glad that you act because I know you're passionate about that as well. Are you equally, equally passionate about writing and acting?
5: You know, they're very, they're, they're very similar uh, in that you're storytelling and you're, you're sharing a story with an audience. Um, they're just so different in the way that the audience receives the work. Mm. with with writing you don't ever have to look anyone in the eye you sit at your computer you send it out into the world and you're not there when the audience receives the work uh you might get to hear about it online later um but with theater you get that immediate feedback and you can see the audience you can feel them there and they might laugh they might cry or whatever um so there's something about that that both both of them have their pros and cons um and with theater, it's so collaborative as well that I find them to be a really good balance to each other. If I sat in front of my computer and tried to be creative by myself only, I think I would, uh, I would get a little stir-crazy. So it's really nice to be able to go to rehearsal and play with other people.
3: Don't Touch has gotten so many positive reviews, um, which I know I'm sure is just so exciting, especially since you were really daunted originally by the process. So how does it feel to be receiving all of these words of support and encouragement um, after, I know, putting your work out into the world is a bit nerve-wracking?
5: Yes. Um, yeah, I, you know, I, I like how you how you framed writing as a conversation. It, it has been really rewarding to have people write back. Um, I have gotten some really lovely emails from people who, you know, maybe experienced something similar to Caddy, or just enjoyed the book for for other reasons, Um, and that's been really delightful to kind of engage with that. Um, I try not to spend too much time on on looking at reviews, because I find that it makes it a little harder to focus on my, what I'm working on now, Um, and, you know, at some point, I had to kind of take a a breather from (laughs) from that, but it it has been really wonderful, especially when people have, have gone out of their way to, you know, make a playlist or a graphic or something like that. It's been really, really rewarding.
2: Wow. And speaking about all the wonderful fruits of the labor of writing, you also get to teach writing to students. I know you teach writing in Chicago public schools and you adapt the students' writing for the stage. How has that influenced your own writing practice?
5: Oh, hugely. Um, you know, about five or six teachers from my from my theater company will go into a school for six weeks at a time. Um, we'll spend about an hour and a half with the students, and we do drama games and warm-ups, and we play and have fun, and then at the end of each day, they're spending a good 20 to 30 minutes writing, and they're almost always uh, <laughs> excited to be doing it and enthusiastic about it. and. Um, it's hard to go home after that and, uh, be grouchy about writing. (laughs) If you're, if you're telling kids to get excited about it, you, you kind of have to practice what you preach. And, um, I do, you know, sort of take, take my own medicine and try to find how to make it fun, whether that's, you know, storyboarding with colored pencils or making a playlist for myself or, um... Taking time to, you know, have a dance break in the middle of my writing day, um, I, I'm a I'm a strong proponent of the idea that that art should be fun. So um, so that that's definitely influenced my own writing practice to to try to keep it keep it fun and uh, something that I enjoy doing.
3: Yeah, definitely. I mean, once it starts feeling like work, um, I think it kind of loses that enjoyment. Um, but we have many many creative teens tuning in right now and listening. And so what advice do you have for teenagers who want to write and maybe want
5: to publish a book someday? Um, I think just to keep going um, because you, uh, I think for a lot of us (laughs) that, that pressure to, to have your work recognized is something that can kind of get you down. But um, I think as long as you're doing it for yourself and for your own enjoyment and amusement, you can't go wrong. Um, and yeah, I, I guess just some of the things I just mentioned, you know, trying to find a way to make it fun for yourself and to make sure that you are putting your love into the work you're trying to create um, yeah. and not, not just doing it because you feel like you have to, or because the teacher told you to, or because you think it sounds like it might be, you know, a fun thing to say, I'm a writer, but to make sure that it's something that you're um, really relishing in and and taking enjoyment from. Yeah, and I can tell that you've
2: really found
5: the love for your craft. So what is next
2: for you? Do you hope to continue writing novels and pursuing this love of writing? Or do you want to focus more on acting? Or what's next for you?
5: Um, you know, I love I love doing a hodgepodge of, of things. My life looks a, a lot like a, pat, a patchwork quilt on any given day. I'll go spend two hours doing one thing and two hours doing another. Um, so I, I hope to keep doing that to, in some respect. Um, and I do hope to continue writing and publishing. Um, but, you know, at the same time, it's important to me to, to uh, make sure that the stories I'm telling are meaningful to me and... Um, that I, that I believe in them. Um, so I think, I think it's finding that balance of, you know, wanting to keep producing and keep having an audience and, uh, making sure that what you're putting out there is something that you can stand behind.
3: So obviously you're super passionate about writing and you're super passionate about acting. So have you ever tried to maybe combine those two and write a screenplay or write (laughs) something of that sort um, to combine those two things?
5: Well, I studied screenwriting um, for a a while. I lived in Los Angeles for two years, and um, I was taking screenwriting classes, uh, and that actually led me into into writing novels. I, I had been kind of toying with both and found that I thought maybe novel writing was more... More appropriate for the kind of story I wanted to tell, but um I've definitely experimented with screenwriting and playwriting too, and um, yeah, I think that going going uh, trying out different genres can can help feed your work whatever genre you ultimately end up putting it in. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I think what's great is that you've actually sort of found a way to conflate the two disciplines, writing and acting because in the book, uh, right. the theater and acting is a huge part of Catty's story so why did you feel that it was important to make those things part of her story
5: um, you know like I said initially I had her, I had her doing um, dance as, as her pursuit but um, I think that acting works as such a great metaphor for, for what someone like Caddy is how she's presenting herself to the world she's mm. always putting on a front she's wearing a mask and, um, really hiding, hiding what's going on with her from the people around her. So I found, I found that that metaphor, I, at first I didn't want to write about theater because it is something that I do and I didn't want to, you know, put Caddy too close to myself. Um, but I've never done Shakespeare. You know, we have a lot of, (laughs) I didn't, I didn't, I didn't go to an art school in high school. So, um, it's still very much a fiction, but I found that, that metaphor of acting as a way of navigating through relationships and, and through the social climate of a high school, I found that too compelling to, to put aside.
3: Well, thank you so, so much, Rachel, for this awesome discussion. You truly have it all going for you, and we are rooting for you as this book travels to the top. Thank Be you sure so much. To, uh, of course. Be sure to visit Rachel's website at rachelmwilsonbooks.com to learn more about her amazing novel, Don't Touch. As always, all good things must come to an end, and this show exemplified how discussion is truly a gift. Talking takes us to the next level, giving us the liberty to express and understand. Thanks to Star Style Productions, Cynthia Bryan, Be The Star You Are, and Perry Damon's Kid Star for producing this show, where we empower kids. Thanks to our Voice America Kids crew, especially Bruce Solstein. Thanks to our guests and reporters, reporters from across the world. And thanks to you, our listeners, for making us a top-rated program. I'm Caitlin Darrow.
2: And I'm Hannah Hundle. You have been listening to Express Yourself, an on-air global community where teens talk and the world listens. For more info on our creative community, go to btsya.org. Until next week, remember, be kind, be a conversationalist, and be here. Speak up, speak
6: out, and express yourself. Thanks for joining us this week on Express Yourself, produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, be sure to visit expressyourselfteenradio.com. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific time, 3 p.m. Eastern, when teens talk and the world listens on the Voice America Kids channel. Until then. Remember to express yourself. Stars that shine between the lines if you would
0: let yourself, go. My name is Lindsay Marie from Bookworm. Now from the now from the Kickstarter of the month, here is the Wispops and their song Sea Turtle. from the Kidstar album on the month.